Good morning, Redemption. My name is Warren, one of the pastors here, and I'm glad to be with you as we are heading towards the end of the Gospel of John series. Can you guys believe that? All right. Excitement. It's palpable in this room. (laughs) And so, as uh, many of you guys know already, um, I'm from the Bronx, New York originally. The Bronx, not Brooklyn. The Bronx. And um, so, yeah, you know, from the Bronx originally, um, but what you guys may not know about my story is that um, when I was back in the Bronx, I was like really a part of this church that I had attended, my family and I attended for many, many years, 20 plus years. I served as a youth leader. I handed out tracts on the street because that's what we used to do back in the day. I organized events. I ushered. And it kind of felt like you know, I was going to be on this track to become like a pastor there, to be a leader there for a very long time. But then in 2014, I felt the call of God to, to move here to Arizona, and so I did that. I packed up my stuff as hard as it was. I packed up my stuff. I left my family. I left my friends. I left my home church. And as it would happen, I also left my faith back in New York. It was my first opportunity to come here, to to really branch out on my own and to make my own decisions and kind of own the things of my faith. But in reality, like, I completely turned away from following Jesus. You always hear, like, when you go to a new city, look for a church. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't look for a church. But Zuma on Mill found me. Maya in Old Town found me. Right, El Jefe. I may have gotten kicked out of there once, but we're not even going to talk about that. Those places found me. In my first year and a half here, I was partying, I was drinking, I was listening to a lot of Drake, zero to 100, real quick. And I was doing everything imaginable that came with that life. I wasn't just in the club, the club was in me. And so as it, as it would happen, I was once a follower of Jesus who at the time was denying him in my thoughts, my words, and my actions. And reality is I know that my story is not like a, it's extreme, but it's not necessarily unique, right? A recent study actually showed that 56% of Christians, when asked, they responded that their spiritual life is an entirely private thing. So there's a good chance that many of you, like me, have denied Jesus, right? Maybe it looked something like this, right? This meme that your aunt or your older family member tagged you in on Facebook and you didn't share it, right? Some of y'all are missing your blessing because you won't press that share button. No. God bless auntie. God bless your heart. What what I'm talking about is the things we say or don't say at work because we're kind of afraid of what people may think if they find out we're a follower of Jesus. We're afraid of the standard that we may be held to if people find out that we're followers of Jesus. I'm talking about that desire to, to blend in, that desire to have everyone kind of just like us, right? That leads to all sorts of compromising positions for our faith, within our families, relationships, and so forth. 
I'm talking about our worries and anxiety that reek in our, mar- in our minds and our hearts, right? And instead of those things turning us to God, we turn to Google or we turn to podcasts. We turn to everywhere else instead of God in prayer, right? Basically, functionally saying, Lord, you're just not Lord enough for this area in my life. There's no doubt that there are many ways that on a daily, a weekly basis that we deny Jesus. And so the question for us this morning is this, is there any hope for us when we've denied Jesus? We're gonna explore that question today, but before we do that, would you pray with me? God, we thank you. God, just this time we get to hear from your word. Lord, open our hearts and minds God, to receive your word today, God. Lord, confirm the word of your servant, Lord, God, and fulfill the counsel that comes from your word, Jesus. Lead us this morning. Spirit of God, move in this room. In your name, amen. And so pick up with me in John 21, verse 15. It says this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. So the first thing we're going to see, right, as Jesus and Peter are having this conversation is that Jesus meets us in our need for grace. Jesus meets us in our need for grace. And so where we're at, this is the third time the resurrected Jesus has appeared to the disciples, right? This time he found them kind of doing what they've been comfortable doing, doing some of the things that they were originally doing when he found them, and they're fishing. And so uh, John sees Jesus on the shore, and he taps Peter, and Peter just, when he, when he hears that the Lord is here, he just drops his, some of his clothes, his fishing equipment, the nets, the rods, all the things that fishermen do. I don't know much about that, but you guys who fish, you know. And he, ran, he runs towards Jesus, right? He just runs straight for Jesus. And Jesus cooks them this breakfast on the shore, probably the best breakfast that's ever been made. I'm sorry you guys missed it. I heard it was great. <laughs> and then this, this conversation starts between Jesus and Peter. This conversation is where we're going to be really spending our time in this morning. And it's one of those conversations that Peter knows has been coming. Right, we know, we all have experienced that feeling when we've hurt someone that we love and who loves us, and we know that there's gonna be this tough conversation that has to be had, right? Where we may hear some things that we're not really excited to hear. Right, but there's no avoiding this conversation. Peter has to have this moment with Jesus in order for him to go forward. And so, uh, uh, Jesus asked him this question. He asked uh, Peter this question. Do you really love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Right, and what Jesus is saying is, Peter, do you really love me more than these other disciples like you said you did? Well, you gotta remember who Peter was. Peter was the guy that when Jesus said, hey, things are gonna get wild and all you guys are gonna scatter for me, Peter was like, nuh-uh, not me. I'm gonna be with you till the end, right? I even got my sword with me, right? Ride or die, till the end, I will be with you. And not only will I 
be with you. Jesus, I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm willing to lay my life down for you. Right? They may scatter, but I'm the rock. Right? As you call, I'm the rock. Dwayne Johnson ain't got nothing on me. Right? But Peter did end up denying Jesus. He ended up doing exactly what Jesus said he would do. And he didn't deny Jesus just once. Right? Three times he denies Jesus. Even once while Jesus was passing by and their eyes met, and he denied Jesus to his face. And so Peter's in this spot, right? The other disciples are around. They're looking, and everyone's kind of waiting to see what Jesus has to say, right? Peter probably feels like Chris Rock when we're, we're not even going to go there this week, y'all. And we're not even going to go there this week. I know there's some preacher who was preaching on turn the other cheek, and he had a great illustration <laughs> from that. So we're going to leave that for him. Right? But he's feeling the pressure. Right? He's wondering what Jesus is going to say. He's run to Jesus in repentance, but will he forgive him? Racked with shame as he awaits the words of Jesus. And I remember what this felt like. I remember during that period when I turned away from Jesus in my first year and a half here in Arizona, and I was just more concerned with making friends and kind of blending in and just doing everything except letting, outside of letting people know that I followed Jesus. And I'll, I'll never forget when this moment occurred in my life, right? this moment where God showed me some things. And it was a Sunday morning, just like this. I was living in... Uh, an apartment complex on Rural and Baseline. There's like lakes over there, but you're never swimming there. <laughs> I, was, I was in my apartment that, at the time, and again, Sunday morning just like this, and I, and I woke up and I started to really have this deep question in my, in my mind. Like this deep question was on my heart. And it was a question like, what is my life about right now? What is my life, what am I doing? And there were a number of things that were kind of contributing to the moment. So I got the alert on my Chase account that my account was below the limit that I had set. Because clubbing ain't cheap, y'all. <laughs> I, I got that alert from Chase. And then I just had this pounding headache. Pounding headache. I felt fatigued and tired from just going too hard the night before. And then beyond that, beyond the physical and the financial, I had this realization that the friends, that the friend group that I had at the time, they weren't really my friends. Right? What had happened is I had given them emptiness and they had just returned that back to me. Right? We had no sort of depth of relationship. And there was a realization or real feeling there of just emptiness a feeling of being at rock bottom. And you know, one of the thoughts that flashed through my mind at that moment was the thought of, what if the kids that I used to lead in youth group could see me there? What if they can see their old leader, right? Instead of getting ready for church on a Sunday, I was recovering from the night before. I felt a lot of shame as I laid there. I 
felt like I had failed God to such a point that he wouldn't have anything else to do with me, honestly. And, you know, Jesus really came to me in that moment. Jesus really showed up in that moment. And I felt him asking that question about my loves. Right? I felt him asking that question about my heart of, where does your love really live? Do you love me like you said you did, Warren? Because I love you, and I want to heal you. I want to meet you in your need for grace. Church, do you know that there is a God who has come and desires to be with you in your deepest moments of failure? that he comes and to your rock bottom places where the denials that maybe you've experienced or you've done, they've, they've led to emptiness, that Jesus will meet you right there. You don't have to go looking for him. He comes and meets you in your need for grace. Right? When you, like Peter, when you run towards him in repentance, we don't have a God who's going to be there when we run towards him that's going to meet us with shame. That's going to meet us with words of guilt, right? Do you, do you, do you, Jesus did never ask Peter, hey, why did you deny me? Why did you do that? No, he said, do you love me, right? Because if you love me, that's the key to all of it. Jesus met Peter, not with condemnation, not with words of guilt, not with shame, but with forgiveness and grace, grace. Turn to your neighbor and say grace. Grace, that's going to be our word this for this morning, grace. Grace is the unearned favor and love of God that acts in our life as we turn towards him. We can't earn it. It's a free gift of God, and it's the remedy for sin. You see, the problem of sin that leads to those places of emptiness inside of us, right, is not one that can be solved by your own efforts. Nothing you do can cancel out the problem of sin. You need grace. You need the God who comes and meets you and sees you in the waters of your own grief like he saw Peter. And he says, hey, you don't have to carry that weight. You don't have to carry that burden. I know you're working so hard, right, to try to free yourself from this feeling of shame, but you don't have it in you to do that. I have to come and meet you, and he does meet you in your need for grace. And he says this, come and rest in my grace. Come and find wholeness and love and forgiveness within the boundaries of my grace. Stop trying to find your rest in more relationships. Stop trying to find your rest in just burying yourself in your work. No, all these things, though, how good they may be, those are beds that are too short for you to sleep in. You need the rest and the grace. You need the rest that comes with embracing the grace that Jesus has come to meet you in, in your place of need. Jesus says, I have what you need. And so my question for you today is where in your life does Jesus need to meet you with his grace. Where in your life does Jesus need to meet you with his grace? See, Jesus met Peter at that place where he needed it the most. Met him with forgiveness, met him with grace. 
And as we continue on today, we're going to see that he's not done with Peter just yet. Let's continue on in John 21, verses 16 and 17. It says this, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So what we're going to see here as the conversation continues is that Jesus and his grace that he meets us with, it has the power to fully restore us. We're going to be looking at the power of grace. And so this dialogue between Jesus and Peter, it continues on. And Jesus asked that question to Peter two more times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Some instructions there. I guess the question is, why do you think Jesus does this? Why does he ask this question three times? Right? Is he, you, we kind of know that Peter has some proclivities to just kind of talking, you know, saying some things he may not really understand. He's done that before. We've seen that in the Gospels. Right? Is Jesus just trying to make sure that Peter understands what he's saying? No. I think there's something else going on here. I think what's going on here is Jesus is bringing Peter to that moment, that dark, traumatic moment when he denied him three times. This is probably the worst memory that Peter has. Right? Jesus and him are going back to that moment, not to make him feel sorry about what happened, but ultimately so that he can experience freedom from that moment. Did you know that God can go to your darkest moments, the thing that you thought would define you, right, and bring beauty out of it? That's his very nature. So he's doing that here with Peter. Because Peter needs to experience the freedom of grace. Peter has to replace that dark memory of him denying Christ with something new. And so every time that Peter remembers, when he thinks back to, man, I deny, I, I said I didn't know him three times, there's a new memory there now. There's a new memory of him proclaiming his love for God three times. Right? That Peter's mistake would not be what ultimately went on to define who he was. And Jesus gives Peter the opportunity, right, in that in this process of restoration, to participate. Right? Peter needs to hear himself say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Yes, you know everything. You know that I love you. Right? Peter gets that opportunity to, to hear those words and ultimately to participate and forgive himself. Not just to be forgiven, but to forgive himself in this. You see, the grace that Peter's experiencing here, it's going to cover the furthest extent of his worst sin. Right? There's nothing that, 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 that's gonna, that Peter has to do beyond this. 
right, to experience forgiveness and grace for that mistake he made. It's covered. It's covered. And it's not only that, right? The grace that covers his sin, it just doesn't, it doesn't only do that. Jesus is like the coach and says, Peter, you're back in the game. You're back in the game. He's not going out like St. Peter's, the school that messed up all of our brackets, that didn't go to the final four. He's going. He's going all the way. You see, the grace of Jesus, it puts him back in service, leading, loving people that Jesus is going to put in his care. You know, that, <clears throat> that, that, that same day when I woke up and God brought this realization to like where I was at, um, I felt the, this nudge of God to like, he was like, Warren, you got to get, get back with my people. Like, go back to church, right? And my problem was I didn't know anybody who knew any churches. Right? They maybe went to like a club named church or Eric Church or somebody, but they didn't know any churches. And so I did what we all do when we don't know something, pulled out my phone, and I Googled. And I think it was like the movement of God plus whoever was doing search engine optimization at the time. <laughs> Those two things came together, and Redemption Tempe popped up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I said, all right, I'll check it out. They look cool. And so I came to the 11 a.m. service here, and I remember getting here at 11, and I was like, where is everybody? Is there a church today? And then, you know, 10 minutes later, everyone showed up. So I sat in the back there. I was like, I'm just going to kind of sneak in, you know, I'll hear a good word, and I'll leave before the last song or right after the sermon. I'm sure none of you guys can relate to that. So I think I did that for a couple of weeks. And I remember one, uh, I think the third week I was here, one of the pastors at the time, his name was Benjamin Jensen, he, uh, he stopped me. Right? He's like, hey, man, like, hey, what's up? What's your name? And then I think he, uh, we, like, set up a time to meet for coffee, and that's, like, the beginning of discipleship, you know, pretty much. And so we met for coffee, and like, that just started the road, right? That was my, my start to joining in RC and being here and serving and I remember at one time, I think I was in a men's group or something like that, and I was telling my story, and I was kind of just telling it from a place of like, well, you know, God saved me from this, and, you know, I'm just so broken. I remember one of the leaders at the time, he said this. He said, Warren, yes, you're right. God has saved you from a lot. But he not only has saved you from a lot, he saved you to a lot. He He saved you towards a lot. Right, that there are, are not just, God's not interested in just saving you and putting you back on the bench. He's got some things for you to do, Warren. And so then I, I got more involved. I started serving at the Rio Vista Center and Sunday service and affordable Christmas and all the things. And, you know, just getting around the people of God and seeing how they were leading and loving. I got a chance to see what real leadership looks like. And, and I'll be honest, guys. Eight years ago, if you told me I'd be a pastor... I would have laughed in your face. My parents are right there. They could tell you. (laughs) But I never thought I'd be any sort of leader or pastor or anything. But God has some other plans. And I'm not here to say, hey, look at me. I'm so special. No. 
I'm here because this is the power of grace. Right, I've experienced the power of grace in every sense of the word. I've been forgiven and empowered to lead by his grace. By his grace. Because of his grace. You know, last week, John asked you guys to, to fill out those connect cards and to write down some of your doubts. And we just wanted to say, like, thank you guys for doing that. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for just being so honest on there and sharing the things that you may be doubting at this time. And so what we did this week is we prayed for you guys during our 11 a.m. prayer time on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and you're always invited to join us for those. And one of the dominant themes, right, as we went through those cards and prayed through them, is this theme of forgiveness, this theme, this doubt that, God, can God forgive me for my worst, the worst thing that I've done? Will God forgive me for the worst thing that, I, that I've done? And I want to tell you guys, I, I know what it feels like. I know exactly that feeling of wondering, I've strayed so far. I've walked so far from God. There's no way he could forgive me. But here's the truth, guys. As Holly read, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you. He will forgive you. You see, you can't run far enough from him that as soon as you turn around, he's not right there. Waiting to meet you. He said it himself in his word. Right, so you don't need to beat yourself up. Let God build you up, church. This is the power of grace. The power of grace not only frees you from your sin, right, but it puts you back in the game too. And what God does is he, use our, he uses our bends, our backpedals, our brokenness, all the things we've done. He uses those things to bring people to him. Right? And we saw it in Thomas last week, the doubters and Peter's, the deniers. It's almost like Jesus is gathering the doubters and denials and, and meeting them and turning them into confident worshipers who meet other deniers and doubters and turn them into confident worship, and it just continues on. Right? It's a testimony to the God who will never give up on you. He will never give up on you. And so the grace we received, right, it's not just a, a ticket to heaven. Stamp, you're going. No. Right? God is not interested in just doing that. He's interested in filling you with the things of heaven so that you can lead, so that you are blessed to become a blessing for his glory. We're not like the, the restored things that end up in a museum somewhere, right? Restored, they're nice, but they, they're not really functional. Restored to use the power of grace. And so the question is, where in your life have you believed that lie? Where have you believed that lie? That you won't be forgiven, that you're too broken for God to use you. That is a lie from the pits of hell. God does as we sing about him. He turns the graves in our lives into gardens. That's one of my jams right there, man. And so Peter's experienced this power of grace. 
And he's reinstated into being a leader of God's people. And now Jesus goes on and tells him how he's going to go about accomplishing the things that he has for him. Let's get into the last portion of our passage today, John 21, 18 and 19. It says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show him by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. And so Jesus calls Peter, follow him. Follow him in life and death. And the truth of the matter is, it's not going to be Peter's strength that sustains him. It's not going to be Peter's wit or intelligence or any of those things. He's going to be sustained by grace. Grace is going to keep him and take him where God wants him to go. And so Peter has been restored in the service, right? And Jesus tells him that he's not just going to follow him in loving and leading and caring for his sheep. He's also going to follow that path to glory and laying his life down for the glory of God. And we mentioned earlier that Peter was the one who said earlier, hey, God, I'm going to lay my life down for you, but he blew it, right? He, he didn't have the ability to actually do that. But now Jesus says to him, Peter, you know, you, you, you've reached this place of humility, right? You figured out the right stuff that it takes to do something like that, right? I've met you with grace. You've been forgiven. You've been freed. Now you have the things inside of you to be able to do that thing you originally said, right? Now it's not motivated by pride, right? It's motivated by love for me. And so the thing is for, for Peter to be a leader in the church, for Peter to go on to die this glorious death that Jesus tells him he will, he's going to need to be sustained by grace. He's going to need to be empowered by grace. The grace of God is going to have to empower him to do the things that he cannot accomplish on his own. And here's the thing. Peter is not someone who left this moment and then went on to live a perfect life. We actually, Peter's a unique character in the New Testament because we actually get to learn, see a lot about his life, right? He makes some mistakes right away. After Jesus tells him to follow me, he turns and he turns to John. He's like, well, what about this guy? And Jesus is like, Peter, you follow me, all right? He probably didn't say it in that tone. That's the tone I would say it in. So don't, don't, I, you know, don't attribute that to Jesus. That's how I would say it. Um, so you got that there. And then in Galatians, right, Paul talks about condemning Peter to his face. I always love that line. I don't know. Something about that is just, mm, yeah, let's go, Paul. Um, he condemns Peter to his face, right, because Peter is bringing separation within the one body that Christ intends for his church. And so Peter made his fair share of mistakes. He didn't leave this moment and go on to live a, a perfect existence. But even through those mistakes, right, Peter would ultimately go on to do the things that God said he would do. He was the leader in the church, right? Shortly after John, we see Peter preaching, right? We see Peter giving that first sermon after Pentecost. And he would serve as a crucial leader in the church. And he would go on to die on a cross of his own to God's glory, as Jesus predicted, sustained by God's grace. 
So much so that his final written words to the church were this. In 2 Peter, he says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Can you feel a man whose life has been marked and impacted by grace in those words? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't tell us, grow in your intelligence. Grow in your ability to, to do whatever. No, grow in grace. I'm going to give you. Peter's going to, he's going to get to where, he, <laughs> where he's going, where God has taken him, by the same thing that started him off. Grace. Grace. You know, one of my favorite preachers, he says this about grace. Grace is not just forgiveness. It's God acting in your life to accomplish what you cannot accomplish on your own. It's God acting your life to accomplish what you can't accomplish on your own. See, grace is meant for us to live by. And I'll be honest, guys, I still need God's grace as much as I needed it seven years ago. When I'm in the car and I'm mad because Arizona drivers turn their cars like they're 53-foot tractor trailers. I need the grace of God acting in my body, controlling my actions, helping me to be loving with my words and my hand movements. <laughs> I need the grace. When, when my daughter is inconsolable because my wife and I won't turn on cocoa melon first thing in the morning. Some of y'all are laughing out of guilt. I, listen, give yourself grace. We know. I, I know how it is. I need the grace of God that, 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 that helps me Right, then when my daughter looks up, she doesn't see a parent who's just seething with anger and kind of acting like a two-year-old, right? But who's there and loving and patient and reflecting our Heavenly Father. Right, that the grace of God is not letting my anger get the best of me. When my drive for efficiency makes me kind of look past people, look at my email, look at my phone, and kind of just zone out when people are telling me stuff. I need the grace of God to slow me down in those moments, right? To tell me that these people, they're not just obstacles to your task list, right? There are people to be seen and loved, seen with compassion. You know, I used to sing a, a song back in the day when I was just a, a little one. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took six days to make the moon and start. That was less controversial back then, but that's the truth. <laughs> He's working on me. He's working on you, right? He's working on you. He's working on me by his grace, right? And the good news is, you know, we don't even have to cooperate for his grace to meet us, right? It's not based on us. It's by him. He's going to empower us with what we need to follow him. And church, Jesus says to you like he says to Peter, follow me. Continue by my grace. Don't continue on your own strength. The grace that I've given you is not meant to just be a one-time event where you receive it and then you got to just go on to do your own thing. No, right? By his grace. It's, uh, the grace of God is meant to be the engine that propels us towards obedience, propels us in faith as you walk, as we walk with him, to strengthen you, to encourage you, to enable you to live in obedience, be established in him. 
right? When everything is going well, we need the grace of God to allow us to be content in that moment. Right? So often when things are going well, we, we're, we're too busy to, we're, we're like too distracted to actually acknowledge the good thing that's happened for us because we're looking at the next thing. We need the grace of God to help us to say, thank you, God, for this moment. And you know what? I'm not going to worship it. Right? When the time of suffering comes or time of comfort, I'm going to continue not to, not to rest in the comforts I'm experiencing, but to trust in you, God, to be relying on you. And when the cross of suffering is placed on our shoulder, right, I, know, I know there are so many of you guys are experiencing that right now. Right? There's, just, there's a lot of, uh, there, there, some of us are in seasons of loneliness, right? seasons of, uh, of marriages that are falling apart, seasons of this, maybe your kids not living the way that you thought they would. There are, are many ways of sickness, all these ways that we experience suffering in this life. Right? The grace of God meets us in that suffering. It reminds us we're not alone. Right? That he's going to meet us in those places of weakness and make us strong. That the grace that he gives us is enough. That's what we've received because of Jesus. The grace of Jesus has the power to keep you, to sustain you in every area and through every season of your life. And you know, the story that, cha- the sermon that changed my life in this church was a sermon just like this, on grace, where I'd only heard sermons on judgment. I've heard a lot of sermons on judgment and law, and you don't even have to be in church to hear something like that. Grace comes and breaks that. It's the gift of God that frees us, empowers us for his works, and sustains us not by our strength, but our reliance on him, following him day by day. Church, keep your eyes on Christ. He will give you what you need. Amen? And as we come to the table this morning, we remember that this grace that we've talked about this morning is not by our own effort, right? It's not by our own striving, right? It's because of Christ, because of his finished work. His finished work, you don't need to finish the work, receive his grace. And he's the restorer that's come to meet you today with forgiveness, love, mercy, and grace. On the cross, his body was given and his blood was shed so that you could receive this free gift that comes in faith in him alone. And so followers of Jesus, we take communion remembering the grace that saves and sustains us. Amen? So I'm going to pray today. I'm going to pray and close this out. And as we transition to responding, I encourage you, if you don't know about this giver of grace, come forward. We'd love to pray and let you know about him. Right, and tell you all about him. And if you just need to be encouraged this morning by the grace that God has for you, come forward. We would love to pray with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the, the beautiful gift that we've received in you, Jesus. God, as we transition into responding now, God, help us both now, God, and as we go into this week to remember that it, it's by your grace that we are saved, God, by no work of our own, but because of the finished work of Christ alone. God, let that empower our week. Let it that allow us to live into the freedom 
of that, that that truth brings to our lives, God. God, empower us by your grace. Sustain us by your grace. Allow us to rest our weary souls in your grace, Lord. We love you. In your name, amen.